Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And open your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 19. 19. And let's look to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for giving it to us. We thank you for opening our hearts to receive it. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who brings to our remembrance, especially the Lord Jesus. We pray now, Lord, for his work in our hearts as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 19, verse 1. There came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of the Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. You shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. He pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he did bake, made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And Lot went out to the door and said unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have known, not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn and he will needs be a judge now. We will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door with the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any beside, son-in-law, thy sons, thy daughters, Whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxed great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which buried his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Came to pass when they had brought him forth abroad that they said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou showed unto me in saving my life. 
I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto. It's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? My soul shall live. He said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou hast come thither. Therefore the name of the place is called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. The Lord reigned upon Sodom upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. All right, now, we're in the middle here. We're in the middle of the most comprehensive chapter in the Bible about a very important person named Lot. And the history of Lot, it's important for us to study because God took a lot of trouble to select each word, which he does throughout the whole Bible, to have Moses write down this history with each word chosen by God. That's what he said in Deuteronomy 8.3 when he explained to Israel that he humbled them, he let them go hungry, he fed them with manna, which they didn't know about, and their fathers didn't know about this manna. And then he said that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. He also said in Jeremiah 9.20, he said, let your ear receive the word of his mouth. So in these two passages here, in these verses, there's an emphasis that each word in the Bible and the words of the Bible are described as every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God or the word of his mouth. And so there's this close connection that's described between the words in the Bible, the mouth of God, and the person of God. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ is described as, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we see every word in the Bible is handpicked by God. We can picture Moses like God's secretary, and God's dictating to Moses this history, all the histories in the Bible. And Moses is writing along, and he writes a word, and God says, no, no, not that word, Moses. <laughs> That's not the word I chose. Change it. And Moses does. And that's the picture. Every word is exactly taken from God. That's where we're studying every word. That's where we're laying emphasis on each word. Because whatsoever, Romans 15, 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, now all these things happened unto them for examples, examples, for they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So Lot is not just a historical character, but he's an example for us, for our learning. The history of Lot is written by God so that we can learn. And of course, the thing we learn when we look at Lot is warning. It's caution. It's for, and it's also for our encouragement. Now, like any person in life, any person in the Bible, any person in life, there's the good side and there's the bad side. All right? And to see the complete picture of a person, we need to look at the good side and the bad side. Now, last week, we looked at the good side of Lot. And we were all very happy as we looked at the good side of Lot. And on this side, we're going to look at the bad side of Lot. And you know what we're going to see, and which, of course, you've already noticed, it's, it's a little shocking, say the least. But God has taken great pains 
to make sure that today we have the complete picture of the good side and the bad side of Lot. So today we're going to see the bad side to complete the picture of who Lot was. And what's important is that only God sees the complete picture of anyone. Only God saw the complete picture of Lot. Only God saw the good side of Lot. Only God saw the bad side of Lot. And he recorded that all for us, and that's what we're going to study Only God sees the good side and the bad side of the Jewish people, and he recorded that for us in the Bible. Only God sees the good side and the bad side of you and me, and I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful he didn't record that for eternity. (laughs) But only God sees the good side and the bad side of each one of us. And the amazing part about God is that he, having seen the good side and the bad side of each one of us, that he doesn't just throw the towel in and say, well, I'm walking off. This is too much. I'm done. Because that makes God so wonderful. That makes him our friend. That makes him our best friend. Your best friend is the one who knows the worst about you and loves you just the same. There's only one best friend like that, and Jesus is his name. Now, we just celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary. (laughs) And I was thinking about 44 years of marriage together with Cheryl. And, uh, you know, so I went to her and I I asked her, Cheryl, do you love me? (laughs) She said, do I what? (laughs) She says, you know, then she she replied back, for 44 years I've milked your goats, done your books. Washed your clothes. That's not love with it. Then you love me. So I said, well, after 44 years, it's nice to know. All right, so 44 years. So I was thinking about being married for 44 years, and and I was also thinking about how the majority of marriages break up. People get married today. You know people get married today? And they only see the good side of each other. And then not long thereafter, they begin to see the bad side. It comes out. And then they say, I didn't know him or her. And they go on to tell about all the stories about the bad side that they've learned is justification, and they get divorced. Well, your best friend is the one who knows the worst about you and loves you just the same, because each of us have a good side and a bad side. And only God sees completely the good side and the bad sides. Only God saw this complete sides of the Jewish people. And it's amazing that in Romans 11, 1 and 2, having seen this, he said, I say then, has God divorced his people, thrown them out, cast them off, forsook them. God forbid. And then Paul said he was an Israelite. But then he said in verse 2, for God hath not cast away his people. And then there's a very important last words, which he foreknew. See, that's the Bible's way of describing that God knows both the good side and the bad side of the Jewish people by that word foreknew. And the Bible's way of describing that the knowledge of the good side and the bad side of the Jewish people that he didn't get shocked into divorcing them as he saw their bad side is Romans 11.2. God has not cast away his people because just as he knew all the good side and the bad side of the Jewish people and God knew that about Lot, the same could be written about Lot in Romans 11.2. God hath not cast away Lot whom he foreknew. And just the same could be said about us. God has not cast away you and me, who he foreknew. And the reason that God didn't cast away Lot, and the reason that he doesn't cast away the Jewish people, and the reason he doesn't cast away you and me, is explained by these these words of forsaking when it says in Nehemiah, 
19 through 20, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not, speaking of the Jewish people, in the wilderness, the pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them the light, the way they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withholdest not the manna from their mouth and gavest them water for their thirst. So those two words give us the reason why God did not cast away the Jewish people, Lot, you and me, manifold mercies. You know, manifold in the sense of waves. It just comes one right after the other. That's the mercies of God. It describes them. The Lord Jesus Christ, he saw the bad side of the Jewish people and was said to God about them, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not. Saw the bad side a lot. Same thing. Now, so all this, why have I said all this? Because it's going to prepare us. It's designed to prepare us to understand when we study today the bad side of Lot as to why God put up with it. Manifold mercies. Now, first bad side of Lot, Genesis Genesis 13, a couple chapters before. Genesis 13, verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, for between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Abraham said that to Lot. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest in Zoar. Then Lot chose him, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. So when Abraham and Lot, when they left, you remember, Egypt, both of them were very rich men. Pharaoh had taken Abraham's wife for his harem. God plagued Pharaoh. Pharaoh came to know that Abraham was God's man, and that Pharaoh had taken the wife away from God's man. And so Pharaoh not only restored to God's man his wife, but he ended up giving Abraham a lot of wealth, as it says in Genesis 12, 16. He entreated Abram well for her sake, sheep and oxen and asses and men servants, maid servants, and so forth. And so when Abraham left Egypt, he was a really rich man. He was very wealthy. He didn't come out of Egypt the same way he went in. Nor did the Jewish people come out of Egypt the same way they went in either later on, 400 years. But it's, it's, so therefore it says in Genesis, remember, 13, 1 and 2, Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, lot with him into the south, and Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. So Abraham becomes a wealthy man in Egypt. Lot also, with Abraham, becomes a wealthy man in Egypt. They struck it rich in Egypt. And that's why it says in Genesis 13, 5, and Lot also, which went up with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. So the wealth, as you remember, of Abraham and of Lot, it created this conflict between them, as we read about the land in Genesis 13, 6, the land was not able to bear them. They might dwell together. Their substance was great. They couldn't dwell together. There was a strife, you remember, and so forth. And this conflict had come to a point of creating a great strife between Abraham and Lot. So Abraham, being the man of principle, the man who followed God, the man that knew that relationships were more important than wealth, 
And he knew that, so he therefore said to Lot, no strife, no strife. Let there be no strife, for we be brethren. That was the guiding principle, we be brethren. Abraham saw this, we be brethren was more important than we have wealth. And so Abraham saw what was not seen, this relationship, and he said this is important to keep the peace, to keep the love between us. And so Abraham told Lot, You choose whatever you want, whichever land you want. And so by contrast now, what it says, and this is where Lot begins his pattern of errors, his pattern of wrong decisions. It says in Genesis 13.10, Lot lifted up his eyes. So Abraham sees the unseen. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered and so forth. Now, the bad side or the worst side of Lot had to do with the bad or the worst decisions that he made in life. The bad side or the worst side of Lot is a pattern of wrong decisions. And this shows us the first in this pattern of wrong decisions. He lifts up his eyes and he beholds the plain of Jordan. He was at a crossroads. Lot was at a crossroads where a decision had to be made. Lot could have looked at the reality of what Abraham represented to Lot. He could have looked at Abraham, and he could have said, that man is my spiritual leader. That man, Abraham, was the one who first told me about the true and living God. That man, Abraham, is the one who God called out of Ur of the Chaldees to the better place. And it was Abraham who stepped in like a father to Lot when Lot's father died, and it was Abraham who didn't leave Lot, not only did he not, in, Ur, in um, Haran after his father died, but he brought him out of Haran, as it says in Genesis 12, 4. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken to me, and Lot with him. Now, we also see that he also obtained wealth. Lot obtained wealth also in Haran, as it says, Abram took Sarah's wife, Lot his brother's wife, all their substance that they had gathered, the souls that they had gotten, and they went both into the land of Canaan. So It was Abraham who was responsible for Lot getting wealthy, both in Haran and in in, uh, Egypt. Now, Abraham, I'm sure, as time went on in their relationship, he saw these seeds in Lot. I mean, I don't think this is the first time that Lot irritated Abraham. (laughs) And he could have said to himself, you know, I see trouble with Lot, and now because of me, Lot has become a very wealthy man, and why don't I just leave him here in Egypt? That would be better. He's got the money, and he'll be fine. Because, after all, Abraham recognized back in Egypt that they both had great herds of animals, and then sooner or later, trouble's coming, you know, if we stick together. But that's not Abraham. Abraham said to himself, my goal was, my goal is to bring Lot safely through this life spiritually. And if I abandon him in Egypt, even with all this wealth, that'll be the end of Lot. That wasn't the heart of Abraham. So Abraham, after rescuing Lot from Ur of the Chaldees, he brings him with them. Abraham, after rescuing Lot from being a son without a father, he becomes a father to Lot. Abraham now rescues Lot from idolatry and the immorality in Egypt, and he brings him along. So 
When we read now in Genesis 13, 10, and 11 that Lot lifts up his eyes and he sees all this beautiful plain of Jordan with water, and then he chose him that. Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. That was a bad choice. That was a bad choice for Lot because it was this pattern. If Lot had made the good choice, if he had made the good decision in Genesis 13, it would have read like this. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld Abraham and who who he owed everything to as his rescuer. And then Lot chose not to harm Abraham. He could have said that. He, he, he He could have said he could have said to Abraham, you take the best land, I'll make do with, uh, I'll work, it'll be okay. I'll owe everything to you. Or I could have said, well, you're going to draw a line down the middle of this plain of Jordan. You take half, I'll take half, we'll, we'll somehow it'll work out. But the way the, the narrative reads in Genesis 13, it tells a story when it says these, see in Genesis 13, 10 through 11, there's like these actions that you see. First, first action, Lot lifts up his eyes. And second action, he beholds all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Third action, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. See, those two verses show us three actions that are described. It's a description here of what happens to anyone who falls into sin. The first action, he lifts up his eyes. The second action, he beholds. The third action, he chooses. Same three actions we saw in the case of Eve. In Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. She took, those are the three actions, the fruit thereof, did eat. See, first, she saw, the woman saw. That was like Lot lifting up his eyes. Second, a tree to be desired. That was like Lot beholding the plain. Third, she took and did eat. That's like Lot choosing him all the plain. Three actions we see in the case of Eve. We see that in the case in Proverbs of the foolish man who goes and commits adultery. In Proverbs 7, 5 through 8, it says that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger with flat earth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youth a man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house. And behold, verse 10, behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. He goeth after her straightway as an ox of the slaughter, as a fool to correction of the stock. So first he went the way to her house. Why did he go the way to her house? Because he wanted to see what she looked like. He wanted just to see, just to see. It's like Lot lifting up his eyes to look on the plain of Jordan. This man just wanted to see what a strange woman looked like. Just wanted to see. Nothing harmful about that. But then there met him this woman with the attire of a harlot. So her appearance is described, and now the way this is described, this man is beholding her, which means he's not only seeing, he's like, he's beholding her. He's like, he's just, he's letting the plain of Jordan just fill him with all this fires of passion, Lot is. I want it. I gotta have it. That man's just not seeing that woman. He's letting the sight of that woman fill him with the fires of passion. I want her. I have to have her. And then he goeth after her straightway. That's like Lot shows him all the plain. Jordan, so we saw this in uh, Proverbs 5 when the question was really put, why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? So first look, then be ravished and embrace. That's the act. 
the bosom of a stranger. Okay, Lot lifts up his eyes. Now, wrong decisions start with a look, then comes the beholding or the ravish, being ravished, then the decision. That's why Proverbs 7.25 says, let, thy, let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. Let thine eyes look straight on and not let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Bible teacher Tom Cantor from Friendship with God wants to invite you to celebrate Purim, the celebration of Esther's victory over Haman. This is an interactive celebration, remembrance, and feast at the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee on Good Friday, March 25th at 6.30 p.m. Celebrate Purim and the Good Friday Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ with Tom Cantor. Admission is free. Seating is limited. 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. creationsd.org.